Hello there, Patriots fans, and welcome on into episode 17 of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Saturday, January 4th, 2020. It is Saturday of Wild Card Weekend, and what we're going to do today, we're going to talk about the four Wild Card games up front have the injury news and notes for you as well. We're going to go through each of the games with the matchup I'm watching, a number to keep in mind as well as sort of my prediction on the games. And then in the second half of the show, our usual fare, some of the best we had to offer this week at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. Because after all, that is what Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind is all about. It's a chance to get you caught up on some of the great work we did this week from our flagship show, the Pat's Pulpit Podcast with Rich Hill and Alex Shane, to Patriot Nation with Pat Lane and Ryan Spagnoli, and of course, the SCO Show with yours truly. Also, we've got some great music to get you in and out of these shows. That is Hope from Head of Music, and you can check them out at headofmusic.com. Now, with this game being a Saturday night kick, weather might be a factor. Rain, potentially some snow in the forecast could be messy. The teams released their final injury reports on Thursday. And we got some good news for both squads, depending on how you want to look at things. We'll start with Tennessee. Wide receiver Adam Humphreys, who's been dealing with a lingering ankle injury. He's the only player from either team listed as out. He did not practice on Thursday or Wednesday or Tuesday, and he is out for Saturday night. Some players that the Titans are getting back. Linebacker Darren Bates has a shoulder injury. He was upgraded to full participation on Wednesday and is a go for Saturday night. Cornerback Adoree Jackson, who's been dealing with a foot injury, he is a full participant in this week of practice. He is a go for Saturday night. Jack Conklin, the tackle, who's been dealing with a knee injury. He was upgraded from limited participation on Wednesday to full participation on Thursday, so he is also a go for Saturday night. Three players listed as questionable for the Tennessee Titans. Wide receiver Khalif Raymond, who has limited participation on Thursday with a concussion. He is questionable. Wide receiver Cody Hollister, also limited participation all week with an ankle injury. He is listed as questionable. And safety Dan Crookshank with an illness. He was downgraded to limited participation on Thursday, also listed as questionable. For your New England Patriots, the champions, the division title holders of the AFC East, Marcus Cannon with an ankle was limited all week in practice, but upgraded to full participation on Thursday. He is good to go. They have six players listed as questionable who are all limited participants in practice on Thursday. Linebacker Juwan Bentley with a knee injury. Defensive back is ter- Defensive back Terrence Brooks with a groin injury. Linebacker Jamie Collins with a shoulder injury. Julian Edelman with lingering knee and shoulder injuries. And Jason Jones and, I mean, excuse me, Jonathan Jones and Jason McCourty with their groin injuries. All those players listed as questionable. Let's talk about these games now on wildcard weekend. We're going to start on Saturday with that game between the Buffalo Bills traveling to Houston to take on the Texans. Sort of a fascinating game to think about. You're wondering about who do you trust more, Bill O'Brien or Josh Allen in a playoff game. The matchup I'm most excited to watch is that matchup between the Bills' defense and the Texans' offense. Offensively, the Texans have done some things this year to help Deshaun Watson. They've gone empty at times. They've gone condensed formations and maximum protection at times. They're doing different things to get the ball out of his hands quickly. But we know this Bills defense can do a couple of different things. They can pressure the passer, and they can also confuse you with rotating the safeties at the snap in the secondary. So I'm very curious to see how that matchup unfolds. A number to keep in mind in this game, 83%. 
That is the completion percentage that the Texans have given up this year on short middle throws. That's according to Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. They've also given up 10.8 yards per attempt on short middle throws. This is a Cole Beasley game. Things I never thought I'd say about a wild card game in the 2019-2020 season. But here we are. Beasley could be a big factor for Buffalo in this game. And I'd be very, very intrigued if I were somebody playing playoff DFS and what he's going for. Just throwing that out there. As far as a prediction in this one, I think Houston, they're a good team. But I think Buffalo is going to win this game. And I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo wins this sort of going away. We, We have seen Houston before. They were in this boat last year. You know, they had a home playoff game, a wild card weekend, and Andrew Luck came to town and they lost. We've seen Deshaun Watson struggle into some playoff games. We've also sort of seen Deshaun Watson and his passing splits with Will Fuller in the lineup and with him not in the lineup. Fuller is apparently a game-time decision and he's reportedly a long shot to go for the Texans on Saturday. If he can't go, you take away DeAndre Hopkins, you put Trey White on him, you have some safety help over the top, you force Watson to go elsewhere. I think that will go a long way towards Buffalo win this game. So I think Buffalo wins this game. And potentially, look, it sets up, yeah, it sets up some interesting scenarios down the road, I'm just going to say. Let's go to Sunday now. We'll come back to the Patriots-Titans in a minute. Seahawks at Eagles will start there. This is a tough one. Um a lot of it's a close line. A lot of people are in on Seattle. Obviously, the Eagles sort of limping in a sense. You know, they, they win the four straight down the stretch to win the East, but nine and seven question marks there. We know what Russell Wilson can do. The matchup I'm very curious to watch is Schottenheimer versus Schwartz. What does Schwartz do defensively against Russell Wilson? Do you pressure him? His numbers are great under pressure. Do you drop eight and hope you can get pressure with three? Well, he's great from clean pockets. It's hard to to figure out how you're going to defend Russell Wilson. What does Schottenheimer do? Does he put this game in Russell Wilson's hands, or does he rely on the ground game like he's done so many times before? Fascinating to watch that unfold between those two coordinators. A number to keep in mind, 89.3. That is Russell Wilson's NFL passer rating versus pressure this season. As I said, he's great against pressure, and that number, 89.3, one of the best in the league right now. The only guys that are better against pressure this year, at least in terms of NFL passer rating, Drew Brees, Ryan Tannehill, Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Mahomes. Now, two of those quarterbacks are watching this weekend in Jackson and Mahomes because they have buys. Brees, we'll talk about him in a second. And yeah, Ryan Tannehill kind of sneaking that one in there. But Russell Wilson is great against pressure. He's also great for clean pockets. What does Schwartz do to kind of defend him? As far as a prediction in this one, my heart says Philly. Partly because, look, I helped cover the Eagles for Bleeding Green Nation on the QB Sco show. I was a Carson Wentz guy when he was coming out. But my head tells me Seattle probably wins this one. It's a tough one to call. Most of the public seems to be on Seattle, given some of the numbers that I've been seeing, some that I've been showing from Bet Online AG. Viking Saints, your other NFC playoff game. All of these games, these other games, I think they're a little bit tougher to call. I think this one's the easiest one to call. Um... I, I, we'll get to that in a second. Matchup, I'm curious to see Michael Thomas versus that Minnesota secondary. How do you defend Michael Thomas? Such a great wide receiver. A number to keep in mind, 82.9%. That is Drew Brees' adjusted completion percentage this year, according to Pro Football Focus. That 82.9% is tops in the league. 
deadly accurate passer, a computer for a processor in between the years, incredibly talented quarterback. And I think the Saints win this one probably going away. You know, I think this is going to be a tough environment for Minnesota headed down into Seattle. I mean, excuse me, into New Orleans. So I think the Saints have enough and they probably win this one going away. Saints probably one of the better teams in football right now. You know, they'll they'll have a tough task because they're going to have to go on the road perhaps to Green Bay. Be a tough situation there. And then finally, Titans at Patriots. We've talked a ton about this game. You'll hear some of the stuff we've been talking about this week in a moment. Matchup I want to see is how do they handle A.J. Brown? We know Derrick Henry, what he can do as a running back. Patriots will probably do some things to sort of crowd the box, maybe try to put the game in Ryan Tannehill's hands. If they do that, how open will A.J. Brown be? What do they do with A.J. Brown? Do they put Gilmore on him and say, look, you're our guy, cover him? Or do they do what they've sometimes done in the past? Kind of the approach I've advocated for and putting J.C. Jackson on A.J. Brown with safety help. Really make sure you take away A.J. Brown and then you force Ryan Tannehill to go elsewhere and one of those options is covered by Stephon Gilmore. I think that might be the way to go, but what do I know? I'm just a guy with a microphone. But I'm very curious to see how Bill Belichick defends A.J. Brown. The number to keep in mind is 30. Tom Brady's playoff wins. More than the rest of these quarterbacks, at least in the AFC, combined. It's hard to bet against what he's done historically. It's hard to bet against what the Patriots have done at home in the playoffs. I know wild card round, it brings to mind the Ravens and that wild card game years ago. If we see a scenario where Derrick Henry rips off a 60-yard touchdown run on you know Tennessee's opening possession, there'll be a lot of people having some nausea and some flashbacks at that moment. But I think this is a different moment. I do think New England wins this game. I'm feeling 24-20 as a final, but they just need to get past this one. I, I, I said this to somebody this week. I always feel a little bit better about games potentially against Kansas City and Baltimore than I do about this one. And I know that sounds a little bit strange, but they hung with Kansas City. They, You can make the argument they beat Kansas City given the Gilmore fumble play, the, the Harry touchdown. So I, even though that game is a Gillette, they went into Arrowhead last year, yes, with a different team, with Rob Gronkowski, and they won an AFC Championship game. So they can win at Arrowhead. And then Baltimore, look, you look at what the Ravens did last year. They went into Los Angeles. They beat the Chargers in Week 16. Then they get handled by the Chargers in the playoffs. You know, th- There's a potential historical argument there that once a team sees what Baltimore's doing, they have a better shot at beating them on the rebound. Baltimore's in the AFC playoffs alone. They're playing Kansas City, Houston, New England, You know, teams, Buffalo, that they've played before. You know, so there's a chance that history could repeat itself. And if New England gets another shot at Baltimore, I think they'll have learned the lessons from that previous game, what those lessons are. I'm not smart enough to know, but hopefully they do. You know, it's like that Seinfeld line. Well, they're the ones writing it off. So I think if the Patriots can get past this one, I'll, I'll feel a little bit better about things, but they got to get past this one. And we'll know more late Saturday night. Up ahead, the meat and potatoes of the show. Some of the best we had to offer this week on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network here on episode 17 of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 17 of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. And we're going to get to some of the stuff we had to offer this week at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. And it kicked off in somewhat brutal fashion, let's just say it. 
I mean, episode 57 of the Sco Show was a it was titled a What Was That Episode. It was raw. It was angry. I was furious. You were probably furious. And it kicked off with, for the second time in a row, at least in a post-game show, a cold open. Pathetic. Just absolutely pathetic. Great moments are born from great opportunity. I saw that in a movie once. Today, the New England Patriots had a great opportunity. They had come into town a 4-11 team. A team that they beat 49-0 earlier in the season. Now, again, an admittedly different team than that squad. But a team you've beaten before. And a chance to secure a much-needed first-round buy. A first-round buy that anybody with a working set of eyes, and even those with struggling sets of eyes, like yours truly, could tell you that the New England Patriots badly needed. And this is the performance you put on the field. I was told once by an editor back when I first started writing that you should write angry. That when you see something, whether on the field or a column or something that enrages you, that you should sit down and write because that's when you do your best work. We're going to podcast angry tonight. That team we saw on the field tonight That team's not winning a Super Bowl. That team's not winning a playoff game, even one at home. In my years of covering the Patriots, in my years of following the Patriots as a fan, I'm hard-pressed. There have been worse losses, I'm sure. But right now, in the heat of this moment, I can't remember one. This is a franchise that prides itself on doing your job. Your job today was to secure that first round bye. Your job today was to beat the Miami Dolphins. And you couldn't do it. They laid an absolute egg. And it starts with the defense. And we're going to get into this. We're going to have our glass half full. Our glass half empty, which is where we'll start. And some thoughts looking ahead, I guess, to the Tennessee Titans. On episode 57 of the Sco Show. But since I couldn't leave things alone, I I wanted to put football aside, but I couldn't. I got back in front of the film, and later on on Sunday night, I dropped episode 58 of the Sco Show, taking a look at A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry. And in this clip, we talk a little bit about my thoughts on A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, Stephon Gilmore, and what I expect to see from the Patriots' defense. I'm not just saying this because Stephon Gilmore struggled against Devontae Parker. But I do wonder, is this a game where we see the old Belichick, other defensive coaches obviously did this as well. I forget, people often say that there was another defensive coach that did this, but you take your best guy, Stephon Gilmore, and you put him on a Corey Davis. And you take a guy like, say, J.C. Jackson, and you put him on A.J. Brown with some dedicated help. It might be one of those games. 
what first put that little bug in my mind was I was rereading his draft profile on NFL.com, and the comp for him was Juju Smith-Schuster. And it reminded me of a game last year when J.C. Jackson first started coming into his own, in a sense, where he was basically left on an island with Juju and fared pretty well. And so that skill set might be a good matchup. The other thing that really solidified this idea in my head, a second and two play at the 6.30 mark against New Orleans in the third quarter. Lattimore's impressed coverage alignment over A.J. Brown. And they basically run zone with a meg look backside, man everywhere he goes, on Corey Davis to the other side of the field with Eli Apple. They're so worried about A.J. Brown that pre-snap, Lattimore is pointing to the safety in the middle of the field and then pointing right back at A.J. Brown, basically saying, you, him, look, A.J. Brown is right here. And here's what happens. They run basically a slant-flat combination. Lattimore jams A.J. Brown, rides him as long as he can, basically until the last second, then peels off to the flat to handle his own responsibility. As that's happening, both the free safety and one of the linebackers bracket A.J. Brown in the middle of the field. They jam him as long as they can with the corner, and then you get a linebacker safety bracket over the top of him on a five-yard slant route. And while this is happening, Corey Davis is beaten Eli Apple on a deep comeback route for a huge game. And so all the attention that they played, your top cover corner and the bracket and all of that, and you take away A.J. Brown in this five-yard slant route, but you're still giving up a 23-yard gain on the other side of the field. Then on Monday, Rich and Alec dropped episode 183 of the Pat's Pulpit podcast. And here, the lingering effects of the loss to the Dolphins were still in the air because in this clip, Alec tries to be positive about Patriots offense and it quickly turns to the negative. I'll give you something I like and something I don't like to make it a little less negative or quell the negativity a little bit. I like when Nikhil Harry's becoming. I think he's very hard to tackle in open space. Uh, he had a nice back shoulder catch against the Dolphins. Uh, Tom Brady had him in the corner on a fade route, waiting for that fade route all season. He overthrew it, shockingly. Uh, but I think Nikhil Harry is a is an asset that is developing. Now, can Brady and Nikhil Harry develop a rapport over the offseason or next year? We'll see. But I think Nikhil Harry has had a nice upward trajectory um, as a receiver. So maybe he can really light it up in the postseason and, and take an extra step. We will soon see. Um, what I'd love to know on the back to the flip side is whether or not Muhammad Sanu knows where the first down marker is. <laughs> and if he deliberately cuts all of his roots a yard short, every single time he runs an out pattern, I, I just don't understand what it is about that guy and running um, four yards on third and five or six yards on third and seven to where he always gets stopped short of the sticks. I, I hate kind of harping on it because I've been so high on Sanu and I was so excited when I got him. But there's just nothing about what he brings to the table that gets me excited. And with Edelman hurt, as you said, and the team's doubling and bracketing Edelman, I, I'm, I'm just looking at how the team is going to compete and keep pace with a team like the Chiefs, should they make it there, like the Ravens, should they make it there. They just don't have the offensive firepower. And I think like 28 points a game is like a major development. And I think you need to score at least 25 points a game to hang with Kansas City or Baltimore. Then on New Year's Eve, I dropped episode 59 of the Sco Show. And after talking a little bit about Black Monday in the NFL, my thoughts turned to Ryan Tannehill. 
I don't want to say that I'm really, really, really terrified of this game sitting here, you know, late on a Monday night. But the more and more I watch this Titans offense, the less and less confident I feel about this game. This Titans offense seems to have the recipe for beating a Belichick defense from what we've seen over the past couple of seasons and including this season. A quarterback with some mobility, a running back in a running game that can sort of grind the ball, grind the game out a bit. And in A.J. Brown, they've got a guy that can make some plays against you. They've got some tight ends and a fullback that can certainly make some plays against Patrick Chun and the linebackers. I'm getting a very sort of Kubiak-esque vibe to this offense. And we all know those Kubiak Ravens offenses that gave the Patriots fits. That's the vibe I'm getting right now. Now, I'll have more to say about this game as we get later into the week and start looking at their defense, but the matchup, look, if the Patriots want to reestablish themselves as the best defense in football after what happened last week, this is going to be a tough test. And if they pass it, which obviously they can, it would be huge. Then we had two shows for you on Tuesday, January 2nd, starting off the new year. First up is episode 184 of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, and here... Rich dives into what could be a huge matchup in this game, Logan Ryan versus Julian Edelman. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough because this is a defense that's going to be extraordinarily familiar with the Patriots' offense, how they like to play. But also, I mean, they're led by Logan Ryan as their top cornerback. He leads the team in tackles. He's used all over the formation. He leads the team uh, in interceptions as well. Has four forced fumbles on the year. He's been a real big game changer for them. But they also have really talented players with Kevin Byard, Kenny Vaccaro as well. There's a good safety tandem. And then you have Jayon Brown, Rashawn Evans as very speedy, like weight linebackers that are also big enough to be able to stop the run and so if I were the the New England Patriots and I were thinking of how to approach this Titans defense I don't know necessarily if I would like to pass the ball too much uh, even to the running backs out into the flat even though that's what I've touched on I, I think that you have to try it early on to see if you can have success with it but if they're not able to sustain it I think that the best possible way to to beat this Titans defense is to beat them at their own game and kind of just grind them down on the ground uh, where they, uh, you know, they're not the best stopping the run. They're not the biggest up the middle. I think Jarrell Casey is one of the best defensive tackles in the league. I think Harold Landry has a lot of promise on the edge uh, as, you know, for full disclosure, I went to Boston College. So I love Harold Landry and I hope he has a ton of success. But I think that if I were the Patriots, I would say I might be able to win man-on-man running the ball better than I would be able to pass it because outside of Julian Edelman, I don't really know who is going to win their matchups outside. And if I were the, the Titans, I would match up Logan Ryan with a you know a linebacker or some sort of bracket coverage, double up Julian Edelman, and force Tom Brady to throw to someone, anyone else, because I don't know if, uh, if the Patriots can really trust the other players to step up and help out Tom Brady when their number is called. We also had episode 60 of the SCO show. And in this installment, I took a look at the Titans defense. And at the end of the show... I had sort of my game script, the plays that I would want to have in my script, my first 15 if I were Josh McDaniel, some run plays, some pass plays. And so we'll see how right I was. Probably not very. If I'm Josh McDaniel sitting down, scripting out my first 10, my first 15, my game script, the plays I'm going to want to have in there, I'm going to want to have some just basic inside zone stuff, see if those cutback opportunities are there. I'm going to want to have some lead zone, perhaps with a Landon Roberts. 
Again, work into the weak side. Show them strength to your right. Run weak side, inside zone to the left. You know, See if you can attack that bubble the way other teams have done it. Then I'm going to want to have a toss play in there in my first scripted 15. In terms of some passing stuff, I'm going to want to have some Hoss in there and see how they defend it. I'm going to want to have Mills. I'm going to want to have a Yankee play in there. You know, try to get that free safety, you know, bracket him with a high-low. And I'm going to want to have a verticals route in there. I know the Patriots aren't a huge verticals team, but I want to see how they're going to defend it. And so those are the things that I think will be a big part of their game plan. If I'm Josh McDaniels, I'm going to be calling them early and hopefully often as Saturday night turns closer to Sunday morning. Finally, we closed out the week with episode 59 of Patriot Nation. And in this installment, Pat and Spags, we're joined by the one and only Evan Lazar from CLNS Media. And here Evan talks about what he's expecting to see when the Titans offense takes the field against this Patriots defense. And no, I'm not just including this clip because Evan seems to agree with me in a sense about the Gilmore versus Davis instead of Brown thing. But okay, maybe a little. Yeah, I think that that's probably the biggest question just from a pass defense standpoint is how exactly do they match up? I do think that on early downs, you're going to see a lot of zone coverage because the the Titans want to play under center on first and second down so they can get that power running game going with Derrick Henry. As a result, they run a lot of play action on early downs. That's kind of been their sort of formula here since Ryan Tannehill took over is first and second down runs and then play action on first down, especially to kind of throw the defense off. So I do think they're going to play a lot of zone, match zone, obviously. Everything's matched in the Patriots system. So if a receiver goes vertically down the field, then it becomes man-to-man for that guy on that side of the field or in that zone anyways. But I think they are going to play some zone. I expect a similar game plan on early downs is what we saw in Super Bowl 53, where they really loaded up in the box to shut down the Rams running game. And they played back end zone, cover four, a little bit of one cross, which is a cover three variation or cover one man variation. And they were able to cut a lot of those crossing routes and different things that they want to do off of those play actions. So I think that this is a similar looking offense, some holdover from when Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator there last year. And I think that there's some holdover there from the McVay-LaFleur coaching tree and what they run right now, especially with Tannehill, who can operate more comfortably as a under center passer than maybe a Marcus Mariota could. But when they do play man, because they're certainly going to play some man, I actually think that they probably will keep Gilmore on Davis. The main reason why is I look at a guy like AJ Brown and the way that he plays the game. And he is so dynamic as a ball carrier after the catch, really a guy that can go and break a 10 yard completion into a 60 yard touchdown pretty quickly. Therefore, I think that it would be better and behoove the Patriots to throw a lot of different bodies at A.J. Brown in terms of maybe having J.C. Jackson on him as the primary defender, but you have the safety coming over or a guy in the middle of the field helping out because if he does give up a catch, it's going to be a catch-and-run situation most likely for Brown. I think Gilmore, even though he didn't have success against Corey Davis last year, I think that he is more apt to take a guy like Davis on an island and play him one-on-one and let everybody else kind of deal with tackling guys like A.J. Brown or Johnny Smith or whoever it may be. But I think that Gilmore one-on-one versus A.J. Brown is a really tough matchup for any corner because of what A.J. Brown can do after the catch. So there you have it. Some of the best we had to offer this week at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. From some angst at the beginning of the week to perhaps some hope at the end of the week, we had you covered.
But that will do it for today. That will do it for the next couple of hours. Because let's face it, shortly, Patriots-Titans kicks off 8 p.m. tonight or so. You know, whatever happens. If nothing else, I will be back at some point tonight, hopefully with a glorious victory installment, potentially with a melancholy in the infinite sadness installment. But either way, I will be here. So until then, friends, just remember, from the front office to the coaching staff to the players and, yes, the hosts of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, there are no days off. (laughs) 